So if you do have your Bible, why don't you take, that, take it out please and let's turn to this glorious book, Philippians 3 and verse 10. Are we all good? Are we, are we ready, eh? Ready for the encouragement and perhaps the, no, the encouragement that will come. Um, and this is what it says, Philippians 3 verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. Um, this is the third category by which Paul wanted to know the Lord better. It was to, to, um, to be conformed to his death. And we're going to try. So we've looked in, in the last, uh, I think it's been four weeks, we've looked at each um, subject. It's, it starts off by saying that I may know him. Um, and we looked at that. We tried to understand what that looks like for us today. Because remember, Paul was in prison when he was writing this to the Philippian church um, who were free. He was bound. But yet he would say that he would want to know Christ better. He had been serving Christ at that, at that stage. Uh, as he was writing this, the commentators say for about a quarter of a century. Uh, yet this is what he says, that he would like to know Christ better. And I made the comment or uh, the statement last week that it was interesting that he didn't say, um, as I have done all of these a quarter of a century serving Christ, I want to plant more churches, which you know we're called to do. Um, I want to... Uh, be a better preacher, I want to do, you know, it, it didn't look at the things that uh, kind of are done by our, uh, the energy that God has given us. He looked at more internal spiritual stuff. I want to get to know this Savior who has saved me. We looked at that quite um, in depth. And we looked at the, uh, the second part of the verse, which is, and the power of his resurrection. And we try to understand why is that important? Why is it um, important for that um, particular um, word or sentence to be included there, the power of his resurrection. What did Paul mean? Why? And, um, you know, then I said that, you know, uh, we are reminded, the, the, the word says that the, the Spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead resides in us today. And um, so it was important for Paul to write that because today we need to know that the power of the, this resurrection resides in us and if that's the case then we can live this christian life as we call to this power of resurrection um helps us in dealing with the suffering that we are faced with in our in our daily lives um so to live this christian life to follow christ as we ought to is actually impossible without this power of his resurrection without Jesus Christ, through His Spirit living in us, because it's Him who does it. It's Him who helps us to love one another. It's Him who helps us to forgive each other. It's Him. It's not us, not our own effort. And then last week we looked at the, uh, the statement, and the fellowship of His suffering. And I, I, I started off by saying that's quite a difficult subject. Suffering is not a nice thing. No one wants to, do, no one wants to suffer. And we try to understand what well, Paul needed. He felt the need through, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to put that in here in this uh, scripture. Fellowship of his suffering. And then today we'll look at this, um, in some ways, uh, is it a morbid thought of death. 
being conformed to his death. Now, when I say death, what happens? What goes through your head? You're a Christian, you're born again, you've been living this, uh, on this earth for a number of years, B.C., and after Christ met you, what, do you, what goes through your, your, your mind when you have this topic, death? Now here's a topic that actually us as Christians do not like to talk about. In fact, not just us as Christians, I don't think the world likes to talk about death at all. And the reality is that each person, young, old, is destined to be born once and then one day die. So every single one of us, you and I, will one day die. So it's best that we kind of understand, we actually acknowledge that, that death will, will not escape de death. I think, I can't remember how many people, um, I think it was two, that were taken up into death. They did not experience death as, a, as, a, as, a, as we know death to be. But it's probably not going to be like that for us. We will experience death. And so it's important for us to understand why, firstly, Paul felt the, the need um, uh, to mention the, this um, as he was writing to the Philippians, being conformed to his death. I mean, we've spent time looking at those uh, previous um, words or sentences and trying to make sense of it. So today we will try and make sense of this particular uh, sentence. It is a sentence, eh? Um, I mean, I, I also said in the beginning that this verse 10 is arguably Paul's um, life's motivation. This kind of helped him to live. He helped him to go forth and do the things that he felt God had called him to do. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death. Paul wasn't afraid to speak about death. He wasn't, in fact, he wasn't speaking about death at this point. He was writing. So he was, must have been thinking about death. He must have been meditating about because he was in prison. He was he was. Uh, subject to be to face a trial, and in that trial he was possibly going to be executed, and so he had to think about death. Do you think about your death? I wonder. I'm sorry to bring this topic to you this morning, but I have to. I'm just bring, bringing the word of God. So the first um, is the reason why I, I said this particular verse. It's probably was probably Paul's motive to live this Christian life it was because of um, three reasons that we looked at the last three weeks. The first is that Paul's purpose in his life was to grow in his knowledge of Jesus Christ, to know him better, to know him more. The second was he wanted to experience the power of the of his of Jesus' resurrection and what that meant and how it applied to him. And then thirdly, um, he was not scared to say, I want to experience the fellowship of his suffering. He didn't call for the suffering, but he knew that as a Christian, this is what this is life. Remember the, 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 the word says that um, we are in this world, but not of this world. Also remember that uh, uh, 
scripture that many preachers I don't hear uh, speaking and preaching about that and reminding us that the word says the God of this age owns this world. He's in charge. He is working his stuff in this world. But we are in the world, yet we, we, are, not, we are not subject. We are subject to the things that happen. We, of course, can't, can't avoid some of these things, but we are uh, protected by Jesus Christ. We are shielded by him. We are led by him. Therefore, we are to, to, to take confidence and take heart. Why? Because the word says that we are to take heart for he has overcome. Yes, the enemy owns this. He's, got, he's in charge of this world. But we are in it. But we are not to be scared because he's in charge of it. We are actually to be, take confidence because our King Jesus, who we sang about this morning, is actually um, overseeing this universe as a whole. The, you know, and it's a, hard, it's a hard concept that the enemy's evil plans are all outworking to the glory and good of God our Father. I don't understand that. Um, you know, the, uh, I was thinking the other day, why? Why didn't God just decide squash the enemy and done? Then we don't have suffering, we don't have all of these things. Um, and then, the, the, then I thought to myself, then the, the question I, uh, I need to ask myself is then, why didn't God squash us as well? Um, you know, God loves us. And He doesn't want us to, to love Him and to serve Him out of a place of we have to. He gives us a choice. He says, you know, today I give you the choice. You either choose life or death. It's your choice. I won't force you. This is the, but that's, and that comes out of a place of love, not out of a place of religiosity or, you know, um, a rod that will come if you don't follow me. No, no, it, it comes. Of course, there are consequences to every decision we make. But thank God for His, um, um, his mercy and His love and uh, just His leading upon us. Because, I mean, we do, we do fall. We do fail. We do go the wrong way. Yet He comes in His in his love and he helps us he, he brings us back into the right way now that's a mouthful for an introduction now we need to understand that the word conformed means to take on the same form as his death did you hear that it means to take on the same form as his death it means to make like form with another person or thing. To render like. So I said it means to take the same form as his death. Doesn't mean that I'm saying that every single Christian also has to go and hang on the cross and die like Jesus Christ did. Because that was how he died. And the answer to that is no. <laughs> it's no. It does not mean that we are to die on a cross like Jesus died. What it actually means, it means that it's, the thrust is to have the same attitude. There's a word again that we've covered over the um, couple of months. Attitude. Jesus did when he went to the cross. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he said this. He said, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus understood fully what he was about to face. He knew the horrors of the cross, yet he 
still went to the cross. Jesus faced pressure with a certain orientation. So this means it's an attitude. It's a posture of our, of our, of our mind. How is our attitude? How, are we, how is your attitude when you're faced with all sorts of troubles in this world? How is your attitude when you're faced with all sorts of conflict? How is your attitude when you're faced with all sorts of love? How is your attitude when you're faced with all sorts of uncertainties? Jesus was faced with this thing that he had to face upon the cross. And yet he would say, Father, if, this is, if, this, if it's possible, please move this cup. But not my will, but your will be done. Father, I pray that that will be of us. That will be the attitude that we have. Father, if it's possible, please change this. Please remove this. Please, please, please help me in this. But not my will, God, but your will be done. Now, tradition has it or believe that Paul was beheaded. Paul wasn't, didn't hang on the cross. Um, I think it was Peter who hung on the cross like Christ, but he hung upside down, I think, because he didn't... He felt it wasn't fit for him to hang like crusted, upright. And um, so Paul, the great Paul, the great apostle, as I said, uh, it, it, he was beheaded. He did not die in his bed, in prison perhaps, or at home. Now, truth be told, most of us would prefer to die in bed. We would all prefer to die in bed. In fact... Prefer to die in bed with white sheets, um, with a nurse or two by our side, perhaps even with a head a physician, plus a couple of interns trying to, you know, help us, uh, you know, trying to uh, save our lives or keep our lives going. They want us to, to die, we're going to die a peaceful death. That's true. If, you are, if I have to ask you, this is probably what, you go, what, what you're thinking. I mean, I'd, I'd love that. To die in my bed. I would just go to bed and not wake up. <laughs> that would be lovely. And the truth is, it probably will not work out that way. It probably will not work out that way. Why? Why do I say that? Well, because the truth is we had little to do with the, um, with the entrance into this world. And so the... the we will have little to do with our exit out of this world. We do not know the day or the hour and the how. We do not know. But one thing we do know is that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It does not matter. It's going to happen. So do not be dismayed. Do not hide in your cocoon and think, you know, it's not going ha- to happen to me. Actually, it is going to happen. It is going to happen. The question is, how is your attitude up until the day comes? How is your attitude? How, how, are you, how are we at work in this life God has blessed us with up until the day that, that, that day comes? Now, since we, have, we are talking about this subject, this morbid subject about death, I have a few questions I'd like to ask. And I'd like to ask you to consider your answers honestly. It's a smaller group, so you, 
You can't consider really honestly, eh? The first question I'd, I'd like to ask is this. What inscription will they place on your tombstone? What kind of inscription will they place on your tombstone? You know, they talk about the dash in between the, the entry to this life and the exit to this life. And what counts is that dash? We don't know how long the dash is. But obviously there will be a m- memorial and there will be, I'm sure, nice things that they say about us. And I wonder whether some of those things that they say about people who die, uh, whether we, some people try and find things to say about us or about them. Or is it really true? So the first question is, what kind of inscription do you think they will have on your tombstone? What kind of uh, things will it say at your m- memorial? The second question is, what will people say about you? What will people really say about you and I? Perhaps I should actually add a third question saying, what would you want them to say about, about you? What would you want them to say about you? So perhaps, you know, it, at the memorial and saying such and such was such a lovely person. Why? Why was she or why was he so lovely? Tell me. What will they say about you and about me? And I wonder, for Paul, if he had a memorial, which I don't think they did, um, this is what they said about him. They probably said that this man lived for Christ. They probably said this man put the priorities first, the right priorities first. And his priority was Christ Jesus Regardless of the fact that he just got beheaded, whether he was shipwrecked, whether he was bitten by a scorpion and and a snake and all, it didn't matter. His priority was Jesus Christ. I wonder if that can be said of me when I'm on, um, in the coffin or memorial, whatever the case. I don't know if that can be said of us, of you. Honestly, think about that. What do people say about you? And I think the most, um, the ones who tell the most truth would be the ones who are most closest to you, i.e. your family. Your family are the ones who will probably have the, the truth, the, the most truth. And then, of course, those outside of your, your sphere of uh, circle of influence or friendship, whatever the case is, those who will be invited to your memorial service. I wonder, you know, that, that circle as it grows bigger and bigger, what do they say? What do the people in the complete outskirts, would they agree to the ones who are in the inner circle of what is said about you and what is said about me? I'm sure um, we've um, heard it said, or you've heard this saying that says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. If we could only view things in light of eternity, we would put Christ first. See, a perspective on life, on life would be entirely different. We would put God first and everything else would be incidental. 
How are we today? I'm speaking to myself, so I'm pointing at you, but they say if you're pointing at someone, there's what, three other fingers pointing back, and this time there are six other fingers pointing back in, at me. How are we today? How, is Jesus Christ the center of your life? Number one. Number two, if he's the center of your life, is it at working in every area of your life? Or are those just words that you kind of say and try to... Um, Tick that box, Jesus is the center of my life. But how is it at working in your life? Remember, I'm not talking about um, if Jesus is the center of your, your life, you've got to serve more. I've, I've often said that you've got to go to church more or you've got to give more or you've got to... No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if Jesus Christ is the center of your life, you allow him to outwork the things that, that, that uh, Ephesians 2.10, those plans that he has prepared for you and I, are we allowing him to outwork those in our lives? Are we doing that? Unfortunately, for the large majority of Christians today, probably for you and me, certainly, if, if truth be told, is we generally put everything else first and not Christ. We want we probably want to put Christ first, but we don't often uh, not able to do that due to circumstances, due to all sorts of things, due to life, the pressures of life. We put uh, other things first and Jesus Christ comes thereafter. And that's why Paul would say, I want to experience the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The power that raised Christ from, from the dead has to also resides in me and therefore I need to be able to live this life and if you allow him to, to work, outwork in our lives then he will, be, he will be first then he will be first unfortunately we relegate the things that count for eternity to our spare time we consign eternal priorities to hobbies we dispatch the winning of people to Christ to whatever position is left over from other priorities. Now that's, a hard, that's a hard statement, but that's the truth we do. As human beings, and I'm speaking to myself, as human beings, the, the things that God has called us to, we put those things last. Actually, we want to put other things first that maybe those things are self-comfort, those things that fulfill us that make me, uh, you and I, feel better. Now, I'm not talking about going um, back to the law that Paul so eagerly was, was fighting against. You know, uh, we spent a whole uh, section looking about the, the, the things that he counted as, uh, as credit to him toward God or before God. I'm not talking about those. I'm not talking about, as I said, going to church. Taking those boxes, reading your Bible, and praying certain um, lengths of prayers. You know, every, I'm not talking about those things out of religiosity. I am talking about um, serving Christ from a place of freedom. A place of freedom and thankfulness for who He is and what He has done for us. So that we can inherit eternal life. And so I, I wonder, do you serve Christ today out of a place of freedom? Or do you serve him out of a place of I have to? 
I have to, and if I don't, uh, well, God's not going to be happy with me. Or do you serve Him out of a place of freedom where you actually, I, I want to serve Him. I want to serve Him. I want to long, uh, I want to, I want to know Him better. Uh, I want to walk into the things that He, he has prepared for me. And uh, as I walk into those things, and they artwork for His glory. Not because I have to, but because I want to. And the truth is that as we grow older in a Christian walk and as life happens and there are more responsibilities and more pressures and this and that, we unfortunately do not live with eternal values in view. We forget about eternal values. We forget about that. My dear friends, actually the truth is all of this we will leave behind. This life that we've been given, this blessing of our life, we will leave it here. What actually should count is that which we are going to. It was a, a, a man who uh, heard somebody would try to explain the length of eternity. And they took a, a string, a rope, a very long rope. And they took the, the beginning and touched the part of it. And said, this is the life that we have on earth. This is the length that we have here on earth. It could start here. It could, be, it could end there. It could end there. But here is forever. After this end, it is forever. So why do we concentrate? Why do we put so much effort to this life and forget about the life that is to come? Why do we do that? We need to get to the place where we put eternal values back in our focus, in our view. And you can't do that with life pressures. We can't do that with the things that life just throws at us. We can't do that in this, in this world where we, the enemy is in charge. It's impossible. That's why we need the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in us to help us to focus. Churches need to be planted. You don't plant those churches because you have to, but because you, you want to, because you want to uh, express the, you want to preach the gospel, you want to you uh, pluck people out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. That's why we do that. We can't do that. That's why we've got to be uh, ones who are with God, um, spending time with Him, trying to, to engage Him, trying to understand what has He said, looking back at the things, the prophetic words perhaps He's spoken over you. Have those come to pass? Are those true? Are those your ideas or his ideas? Do they align with the word of God or not? See, most of us feel the main thing is to make a living. <laughs> most of us feel the main thing that we, need, we ought to do in this life is to make a living. Actually, make a living, the main thing is to stay healthy. Oh man, how, how many of us try to make that uh, the thing that we live for, to be healthy? Here's a big one for us parents. Raise our children. It's the main thing is to raise our kids. Let's raise our kids well. Let's give them good education. Let's let ourselves, let, let us get good education. Actually, all those things, let's be good citizens. Let's be good citizens. All these 
things will be put into the proper perspective in eternity. These are good things. I'm not for one second saying they're not. We must raise our kids well. We must look after ourselves. We must, look, we must be healthy. We must eat well. We must exercise. We must do all these things that are good for our health. We must get good education. We must be good citizens. These things are good. The trouble is, good things can become distorted if they are put in an inverted order. Those things are good, but may Christ be first. May He be the center. And out of Him being the center, all those things end up being good. End up being well. Put the Lord first. Colossians 1.18 tells us, we are to put the Lord first as the head of all of these of this list. We are allowed to have lists. There's nothing wrong with that. But we have to put the Lord first. This is what one Colossians one, I mean Colossians one eighteen says. It says that in all things He Jesus Christ might have the preeminence. That He might have the preeminence. That he may be first. That's what he means. In all things that he may be first. Can I remind us this morning, my dear friends, that everything we have belongs to him. Everything you have belongs to him. That includes our children. As hard as that is to, to, uh, to understand, our children belong to God. Not to us. We are just caretakers on this earth. But they belong to Him. Our education, our health, our jobs, our businesses, our houses, our friends, everything, all that we have, must conform to Him. All we possess belongs to Him. Let me try, help us put that into perspective. Everything, everything we have belongs to Him and to Him alone. And in His mercy and in His grace and in His love, He has given you those things. He's given you, He's given you your kids. He's given you your jobs. He's given us our everything. So why do we make our everything bigger than Him? Why do we make the gift bigger than the giver? Uh, again, I'm speaking to myself, not just you. And that's why it was such an ambition for Paul to know him, Jesus Christ. To make him the preeminence of his life. Any experience in life will help me to know him better. Every experience that you go through should actually help us to, go, to get to know him better. Whether I am perpendicular or horizontal, we get to know Christ. So whether you are healthy or whether you are unhealthy, whether you are, you are, you know, you've got it, as it were, in our, in our, in our perspective, in the world, understanding we've got everything or not, whether we have or not, we should desire to know Him better. But you cannot desire to know Him better if He does not help you to know Him better. It's Him. It's His work. 
in Romans 8 verse 29, Paul puts it nicely for us to, uh, with, this, with this conformity to his death. He says this. See, Paul sets um, forth Jesus as the model to which we should be conformed. He says this in Romans 8 verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. We are conformed to, to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, we will go through this life, which is a blessing. We've got to find the blessing in, in, in this life. Often we don't necessarily see the blessing. We see the, uh, in inverted commas, the curse, the curses of his life, the difficulties of his life. But actually in the difficulties, in the curses, in inverted commas, there are blessings. This life is a blessing. This life is a blessing. Can I share in closing the secret of living a successful Christian life? Would you like to know the secret of living this, this successful Christian life? If you want to know the secret, you've come to the right place. Because the secret is found in the Word of God. And I'm sure the question, I mean, today, I don't know how long you've been serving Christ for. Do you still search? Are you still asking, what is the secret? How do I, what, what is the secret? How do I uh, have a successful Christian life? Well, the answer to that question is... How well we live is determined by how well we know Christ personally. So the secret of a successful Christian life is determined by how well we know Christ personally. Because if you know Christ personally, then you will put Him first. He will be the center of everything and everything else will come from there. You will be shipwrecked, for instance, and you're still holding Him and you still you will be crying out, I want to get to know you more because there's more of you. You will be you will be plagued with all sorts of stuff, but you will still hold him to be the core. You will still praise his holy name. You will still confess that he is good. So the secret to a successful Christian life is quite simple. Is determined by how well we know Christ personally. I'm sorry, it's not, it's not rocket science. It's not a big, but that's the truth. So what does that mean for you and I as, as sons and daughters of the Most High with this life that He's given us uh, within this length, within, between this dash, is that we have to do our very best to spend time with Him. To do our very best to meditate on His Holy Word. To, to, to do our very best to just be found with him however that looks like because the truth is this it is God who determines that every child should ultimately look like Jesus Christ 
even if he has to take us to, uh, to, uh, to the very bottom, to our, he has to allow us to get to our very bottom. If that is what it needs to happen so that we can look more like Christ, so it will be. Because God is determined to um, uh, bring us to the place where he is glorified through us. See, to God, it is inconsequential whether we live for 20 years or 90 years. You remember John the Baptist and Jesus himself both died very young. It is not how long we live that matters to God, but how well we live that matters. So the length of our lives or the time of our death is incidental to God. God knows, only He knows. He knows when you'll take us home, when you'll call us home. We don't know. But the quality of life from God's viewpoint is how well we have come to know His Son, Jesus. So I'll close with this question again. What inscription will be on our tombstones? Can I ask us to close our eyes? Father, thank you for this gift of life. Father, I ask you to forgive us, forgive me, Lord, where we have not appreciated this life, God, this life that you died for us to have. Forgive me, forgive us, Lord. And help us, Jesus, to take note of, this, of the dash from the date of entry into this, onto the universe, this dash where we currently are found. Help us, Lord, to take note of it. And help us, Father, to be like Paul, who would say every day, all I want is to get to know you better, is to get to know you more. Help us remember, Lord, that one day the, the dash will come to an end. This life will come to a close. But for us as Christians, we know that the close of the dash is not the end. It's death is actually a doorway into life for eternity. And I thank you for that. I bless my friends this morning. I bless those who are part of this church and not with us, God. I pray, God, that you would, Lord, remind them that, Lord, the, 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 the secret to a successful Christian life is how well we know you. And therefore, help us, Holy Spirit, to make time for you. In Jesus' name, amen.